Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime. LGBT Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Okay, then. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. You are lucky to be here. <laughs> um, I'm Al Warren, and sitting in Phoenix is uh, the one and only Michael Butterfield. Hi there. Uh, you're always so butch so so, um all sorts of stuff going on we're pretty happy with what's this this week's been like um man what a drag um everything is just so uh it's been a crappy week okay in some ways yeah yeah (laughs) uh well anyway doesn't matter uh we'll get into that a little later so uh today we've got a um a guest sitting in here we've got uh he's an author and he's a podcaster uh bruce lamaster how are you doing yeah not too bad <laughs> it's, it's living living you sound like you got a lot of energy there um oh yeah so um bruce what what brings you to the uh, true crime world um I've always been in the true crime since I was very, very little because my mom and stuff, she read, you know, all the books and watched documentaries back then. And so I've always had an interest in all that. Then it just kind of took off on its own on my, like I started writing to various killers in 2013 and just kind of started doing my own research and everything on various things. Yeah, but you know uh, that that's interesting. I don't know too many people uh, that are writing to serial killers. Well, I guess there's a few, but I guess I don't know a whole lot of them. Um, what's your interest in that? Like, what do you 
what do you expect to get back from someone like when you write them? Um, I'm not sure, honestly, because some of them, you know, will talk about their crimes and stuff, but a lot of them don't. But at first it was just kind of more just to see if I could get anybody to respond. And then I've kind of taken times off where I haven't wrote to a lot of them. Like here recently, I've been trying to write to some new ones. Some of them I was just trying to write to because people said you couldn't get a hold of them. So I sent some letters out and got responses back from a few. But yeah, it's just, I don't really have an agenda, honestly, between any of them. I just try to see if they reply back and start a conversation. And some of them um, I've talked to, actually the very first one I wrote out in California, I still talk to her to this day. Oh, you going to marry her? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just, I just wonder because you see, every time I've written to one, um, it's, it, there's been, it's been a lot of in the UK. I've got letters from uh, Stephen Port and, and Ian Brady and uh, a a lot of um, British killers. Uh, But I had a reason for each one. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't kind of go, well, Let's just see if they'll answer and send out a big pile. I, I kind of pinpointed the person that I wanted to, uh, I guess, talk to. And I sort of had a reason as well, you know, um, uh, more the mindset of that person or character. And um, even the last one that I met in prison, it was more about um, just, just it, just their response to things and what they had done in the past, which is quite, quite awful. Some of them. So I, that's why I sort of, I find it curious because I haven't met too many other people like that. There's a few I know, but, and you're uh-huh. the first one. And I was just wondering if you had kind of a, a way of choosing a, a, a person and, and if you, if it's, you want to develop a relationship, if you want to get to know them by character or things like that. Cause I find that a very curious um, hobby. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yeah, kind of yeah. Like about every one of them. Like I said, some of them, um, like if their case I find interesting, I'll shoot out a letter. So like I said, I just kind of kind of pick things at random. Sometimes I'll stumble upon and then be like, hey, I wonder if they're still alive, and then write to them stuff like that. And some of them I'm just like I said, just write just to write. And some of them, like I said, I've besides the female, like there's a few other ones I've talked to for years so i guess in a way some of them i have developed like usually i always try to reply back to all of them but if they don't reply back like a second or third time i don't really try to harass them or nothing so sometimes i only get like one response back and then if they don't write me back then i just after i send them a reply I just kind of move on was there anybody in particular that you got an interesting or unusual response from uh, not really like uh, one of them I was surprised. It's one of the recent ones I've wrote to. Uh, he got he actually got out of prison, and but he had killed a child and he attempted to kill another child, and he ended up getting caught. And this was like eight years after the first murder. Well, he was sentenced to forty years in prison, and he served what twenty eight years, I think, of it. Well, when he was getting out like the boy's dad and stuff's like, you know, I'll kill him if he gets out. Well, he ended up going into a mental institution. So last June, I was like, well, I'll see if he'll reply back. And because I've seen like letters and stuff of his for sale, like one, I think, 
and they said he don't write to anybody. So I actually like, well, I'll try it. So with COVID and everything going on, you know, that was kind of my angle starting last year. I'm like, Hey, you know, kind of talking about COVID and all that, see how they have to deal with that. And he actually responded back and I've been talking to him since then. And he actually has talked a little bit about his crimes. He's one of them that actually did admit to what it, what he was doing and stuff. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the interesting one. Then, uh, the other one I tried that attempt with was uh, Daniel Rakowitz, and he actually replied back to. And they said he don't really reply back to a lot of people, but I actually found out uh, he actually plays uh, the card game Magic the Gathering. That's a game I've played for <laughs> twenty years, and he actually sent me a card from the <laughs> hospital. Oh, wow! Well, I, 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 that's interesting. The whole thing is. Do you ever? Do you ever? Um... When you're talking to the guy that kills children or has killed children, do, does that sort of affect you? Do, do you, because um, I mean, I see, all, you know, from your social media stuff, you have children, young children, and and uh, does it get kind of personal? Uh, yeah, in a sense, because like, like you said, with me having kids and stuff, I got three kids and, you know, they're all young. So um, like on my podcast and stuff, I've actually talked about that when we cover like a with a case involving a child, like those are the ones that, you know, they, they're close to home just with having kids and they're always the ones because you're kind of like, you know, why are people doing that to children? And, you know, they, they really get to, that's the ones that really stick with me mentally because, mm-hmm. you know, just what you read about what they actually done to a child or something. And some of it's pretty, pretty gruesome. Yeah. 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 Cause you don't, uh, I, that's what I, I would, I would think that would be hard. Um, Mm-hmm. especially when you know what they've done and then you're communicating with them. And, and if they do start to tell you uh, about it, I would think that that would be kind of, that would be kind of weird. Um, the, the last book I did, I talked to that guy and he had killed two little girls and he had uh, raped them and mm-hmm. uh, shot them in the head and then burned their bodies. And um, when he was talking to me, um, he was, um, he killed the youngest one first and he was so matter of fact about it. And he, mm-hmm. he, he almost told the way he said it was, um, she just didn't understand what I wanted. Like he, he had her tied up and he wanted to have sex and, uh, she didn't understand how to do it. And he said he could only take that for a matter of a day. So he just shot her in the head. But the way he said it to me was almost like uh, like someone talks about sports or something, almost like they expect you to kind of go, yeah, you know, and agree with them. Yeah, like it's a normal, normal everyday thing. Yeah, and, and I found that disturbing as it was, never mind, and I don't have children. So I could imagine having little kids and then thinking, how could they not be in your mind? And then he's talking about this and you're thinking, wow, this guy's a creep. Um that, that, that's all i i just that's my personal take on it but um yeah that's what kind of like you kind of wonder in a sense if they're like uh i've often wondered that with a few of them like do they see their self as children in their minds and that's why they target children like they never you know developed after a certain age so they're drawn to children that way or something maybe i, I well one thing say. you know when i talked to uh what jeffrey rennick who was the for the fbi 40 years and he did a lot of that child kill cases and um and one of the most common things he came across was a lot of these killers 
have been, um, they experience some sort of um, traumatic sexual thing at approximately the age of the people that they were had as victims. And that was true in this particular case. This guy was tied up and had a bad sexual experience at the age of nine. And that, see, he was going for children that were nine to 11. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, you're, you're probably as good a guess as me, but I sort of associated it with something that stuck with him. And he still sees himself at that age when he's doing these crimes. Yeah. Which, like you said, with him having that experience when he was little, maybe that's just something that, like you said, traumatized him real bad. So maybe, in a way, maybe he liked it or something and likes feeling what he felt then, maybe. So he tries to do it, you know, to get back into that sense. Yeah. In that there, time frame. Yeah, there's definitely something going on. And, and of course, I'm not a, a doctor. So, uh, well, not a doctor of that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, so what made you, um, okay, now, I see you've got a book out with this uh, kind of a concept and um, this is the death row teddy bear. So how did you hook up with this killer? Um, He was actually one of the first ones I started talking to and I had read some stuff online and I think I want to say I talked to one or two people about it and they're like, you know, he'll respond to anybody. So I was like, I'll write him. So I ended up writing him and I read him for, uh, I would say pretty much three years, and I'd use about on average I'd get a letter a month because he was on San Quentin death row, so you know I'm in West Virginia, so you know it takes a little bit for regular mail to get, go through. And uh, he was interesting because his letters are so hard to read. Like I got pretty good at it for a little bit of time, but it just took forever to read them. Like it would take me probably couple hours to decipher things that he said and you know i just started writing them and then seeing where it went and i can't remember why i quit writing to him i don't know if i ever replied back to him the last letter or or what but he ended up dying uh, in 2019 at the end of 2019 so i was like well you know 2020 was a weird year so i basically worked on it put you know the book together and thought I'd share it and it'd be a different way to actually share actual letters and other things from him. So I thought that would be an interesting concept for people to look at and just kind of done like a basic of his uh, life and stuff growing up. Cause he was one killer that I wrote to that really bragged about what he done, had no remorse, didn't care. And like, he could be talking about the weather and talking about, you know, killing, you know, one of his victims or, somebody that he wants to kill and stuff like that. It was really, really out there. And he had a lot of stuff that he would always mention about kids and stuff. See, that, that was kind of hard to read, but then he'd ask me how mine were doing, which was kind of awkward. Yeah. yeah. I would think that would be the, that's, that's kind of what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. You would feel kind of, I, I, I would think it would be intimidating in a way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There was one part, um, I think, Remember when people was leaving their kids in the car in the hot weather and they were dying and stuff? Yeah. Well, he mentioned that in a letter. And when I was reading it, I'm like, oh, you know, that's not because he said he'd break the window and get them out. I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's nice. That's what most people would do. And then he's talking about he'd go pimp them and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's really, <laughs> really, really out there. Well, you got to save them so you get some, get them to work, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the way he looked at it. But yeah, but same thing because I like I never got to talk to him on the phone or nothing. Like I said, I'm states away, so I never got to visit him or nothing, anything. But actually, like talking to other people and stuff, they said the same concept. Like you know, it was just like he would just normal thing. Hey, how's the weather? You know, and bam, talk about well, I like killing people and just normal, normal conversation because he thought to him it was normal. Do you think he felt any emotion at all? Maybe, maybe he didn't about killing, but you, did you sense any uh, feeling from him, like love or anything from any of his letters? No, not really. I knew some people that he uh, said, because he always told me like new pen pals he got. And there was one he was talking about that he was basically wanting to rape him when he visited him and stuff. And then, Tell me what he'd do to him and everything. So it, it got really interesting stuff like that. Like if he was out in the street, he would he would still kill. Like it didn't matter his because he was what seventy three when he died. Like he could be a hundred and still try to kill somebody if he would have ever got out. So there was like nothing I don't think there. But he said that he loved like animals and stuff like that. So maybe hmm. he had a love for animals more. Well, it brings up an interesting point. Um, unlike a lot of the other killers that we talk about, he seems to have preyed on a lot of people he knew personally. Yes, I found that interesting, too, that it was people, like you said, he knew. Well, pen pals as well, which one of them was, you know, his wife and mm. well, her, her mother. And then, see, the last one he got was the lady that worked in the uh, – I don't I can't remember if it was an actual gas station, but it was a store basically, kind of like a stop. And I think that was the only lady he really didn't know, besides mm-hmm. some of the women that he had attacked and stuff. Which I actually did get a talk to um, one of the ladies that survived him. She had passed away recently, but I got in contact with her daughter or granddaughter, I think. And like I was hoping, I almost kind of talked them into because they said they'd be interested in helping me but then they kind of got to talking you know family didn't really want you know the information really but what they had to say and felt about it to get out which i understand though i understood their privacy but you know just talking to them and things and because my judgment i figured what she went through that she was traumatized after it and you know i kind of feel that it stuck i guess her whole life changed because he raped her and everything one night and i guess she just looked like like it ruined her marriage and just paranoid of men, you know, just live like tried to shelter everybody that she knew growing up from that, like her kids, grandkids, stuff like that, trying to keep them away from evil because, you know, the tragic event that shouldn't happen happened to her. And, you know, when stuff like that happens, it really scares people and they just kind of go in a shell and just afraid of everything. Did you find anything different about the way he told his story compared to what's kind of known uh, about what he had done? Like, was was there a big big differences in what he said? Um, that's one thing that it's hard. There are some things that's hard to believe with what he says because I think at one point I read somewhere that he had told somebody that he was in the Manson family. Oh, really? <laughs> I've never found anything, you know through my research and the hardest part I could ever get to in the book when I was doing it 
well, it said that he was in Vietnam because he blamed a lot of that from being over in Vietnam. But then the one book about him that was written back in the 97, well, back, well, probably took a few years, but back in the 90s, um, they, he, he wasn't. And then there was a documentary that came out last year and it showed his papers where he did go over there. And like he was one letter, he's talking about killing like two boys over there. And you don't know exactly what to believe because I, he never, because I talk about a murder that maybe he did do, maybe didn't do. He never told me about it, but he told other people and I got them to share the letter that he said it. And I got to looking at it and tried to do a little bit of research and it kind of don't line up with what we know about his murders because the murder that he was claiming to have done, he, he would have been driving a lot, but it was after he killed his uh, common law wife. He ended up trying to think went from California. I want to say to Texas, I think and then said he killed another woman. But then I read another uh, letter where he talked about to somebody else and he changed things so each story about the person was different and I'm sure, you know, it could be real, but a lot of evidence that I could find, he was just trying to add more to his victims, just kind of giving people what they want to hear type thing. Hmm. Oh, you think he was bragging then? I think he was proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. He was basically, like, that's the way he was. He was just, cause when people like find out that I, you know, write killers and stuff, they're like, Oh, you know, because, like I said, a lot of them don't talk about it. And, like, he bragged about it. Like, every letter, it had something violent in it. Something about violence in the letter, whether it be, you know, his murders, mur things that he'd do to the pen pals, or, like I said, the things that he'd do to kids or just anything. And then, you know, he would mention about it and just brag all, all day about it. But he gave people what people think that killers talk about. Huh. Now, did, did he talk about how he was treated in prison? Like, was he in a situation because of who he was? Did the other prisoners treat him badly? I, I don't think so, because he, well, he was on, like I said, San Quentin Death Row, and that's where a lot of them are at. Like, he talked about, he might not go along with a few of them, but I know he said, uh, he talked about Richard Ramirez a little bit, and talking about, I guess, some of the drama with that with um, some of the things, but yeah, it seemed like most of them in there kind of got along with each other, but there's probably, you know, some people, you know, might've hated them and stuff, but he didn't really say that anybody did. Huh. Well, you know, actually uh, maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about the story, like who he was. Uh, I, you know, we didn't really cover that. We know, cause we've sort of looked at this up, but um, uh, what, what was he convicted of and, and what did he do? Uh, like I said, he was a serial killer. He was from uh, five murders in uh, California and Utah between 78 and 91. Because when he killed his um, common law wife in 78, he went to prison, but he got out. Uh, well, he tried to rape his mom, and he got a little a couple more years, so he got out in, let's see, trying to think, 1990. And then in 91, that's when he killed... He killed a girl that he went to college with, and then he ended up killing his uh, wife that he married while in prison and her mother-in-law, and then went across and killed the uh, other lady at the at the store. And he was actually traveling from everything I've read to Kentucky, 
and somewhere else to kill other pen pals. And there's actually audio of where he actually recorded the murders, which that's on that documentary as well. And I share the uh, transcript of the audio of what he said and stuff, which is very, very corny things. <laughs> but um, he was, like I said, wanting to go out there and kill the pen pal. I guess when they, he got arrested, he had a belt that had their names and like their date of death and everything. So he was, because his wife that he married in prison, I don't know why people wrote him, but he would play a game like if they were religious, because some of the people that wrote, you know, it's through like religious and stuff. So he would play that game with them and try to be like, oh, you know, I found God, stuff like that. And then some letters he would write what he'd want to do to him and everything. Well, his wife didn't want him around her when he got out. So he kind of got upset about that. And that's why he went and killed her. He ended up getting a gun and going over there. And they, like I said, tried to do anything they could to get him not to come around there. And he still done it. Well, you mentioned the how he sort of toyed with people, I guess, sort of pretending to agree with their religious beliefs. Is that one of the reasons why I'm reading here? It says that he carved the words, I love Jesus, into the backs of one of his victims. Yeah, that was the uh, college lady that he'd done that to. I'm not sure about her because she never wrote him while he was in prison. But I don't know. She might have said something during the time he had her. Or he kind of like said played the game of like he was nothing matter like he would lie about why he was in prison and everything for her. so yeah it's just interesting with how he'd done everything which I don't know if he was just practicing on her until he got to his wife or what but I guess he just had murder on his mind and got whoever he could but I guess he was taking her home a couple times too and then eventually end up killing her. Hmm. Huh. So, well, you know, Jesus has a cell, right? It seems like people mm-hmm. like him always seem to find find Jesus or use that, you know, uh, like that that they're good people now. Yeah, you know. And uh, did, now, did you say he tried to rape his mother? Yeah, they. From my understanding, well, I, that's basically the way I read it and took it. But his mom and dad had visited him. Like the why he's in San Quentin, and they were able to stay in a trailer, I think, on the property, which I don't know if they still do that now, but see, this would have been 85. But his wife was supposed to come with them, and she didn't. So they think that he kind of lashed out on his mother, but he had attacked her and one morning, and his father got him off of her. So that's what they basically assumed that he was trying to rape her or at least end up, if not killing her, but he ended up, you know, not getting that far. Yeah, his dad at the time was an older gentleman, but they said he fought, you know, fought and got Philip off of him. And I guess Philip kind of got all upset. The way I understood, they weren't going to report it. And then they finally did. And then that's why he got some more years added onto a sentence. How did he keep getting out? Like, what was, what was the uh, issue with that? Was he just, um, good defense, or I guess in a way, because when he killed his common law wife in '78, uh, well, I think it was second degree murder is what they got him on. So that's why he only got the. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. 12 years. Well, a few years, and then, you know, added on to it after that but they were basically i guess trying to say like he targeted her type thing but like he planned it out because he said that he wasn't going to be at their house that they shared because she was staying with her mom and then she goes over there and he's there so that's kind of how that played out like he lied to her like he planned everything that he'd done but i just don't know how he didn't get worse sentence than what he got which I'd say now if he'd done it after that, I'm sure he would have got a longer sentence just for the first murder. Yeah, that's crazy. I I never understand that. Um, People keep getting away with murder and they keep getting out. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a strange, strange system. Wow. So now um, when you um, do your podcast, Mm -hmm. what, what, how do you uh, attack that? Like what, what, what do people expect to hear? Um, me and my fiance, we kind of cover everything in it. Like, um, I'll share some, like one of letters I've got from people and talk about their case a little bit. Cause I try, like, we'll talk about some of the well-known ones, like, but like with Ted Bundy, I've done an episode on him, but instead of just on his crimes, I've done it on his ghost. Cause I'm in, I'm into the paranormal as well. So the whole episode was just me talking about his sightings of him 
as an apparition. And I had actually uh, talked to a serial killer that was from West Virginia, but he had killed in Florida, and he actually knew Ted Bundy. And I asked, well, I'm trying to think. Forgot how I brought it up to him, but he had mentioned knowing Ted Bundy and talking about they played like racquetball and handball together and always talked. That's what it was. I read a book uh, with the Green River Killer with Gary Ridgeway when um, Ted Bundy helped him. Okay. Yeah, the Bob Cavill book, The Riverman. Yeah, I think it's what it's called. Yeah, the, it's been years since I read it, but it had mentioned that Bobby Joe Long had went to prison and that Ted Bundy was like asking about his crimes and everything. And that's, so I was like, okay, I'll ask him. And he mentioned it. Well, there's reports, like I said, that Bundy seen in that prison. And he told me it was a lie. That it was just guards made it up. And, um, sometimes we'll, um, like I said, we'll talk about killers or missing people or unsolved crimes. Uh, here recently I interviewed a local woman that her child, well, her young son, he was like 25. He had got most likely murdered from everything, but they ruled it as an, that he had a asthma attack and then OD'd. But there was a, they had the people that he was with had drug him down the steps, a woman standing over top of him with blood all over. And when somebody caught them in the act, the dude that was with her took off running. And it was a whole mess. But like I originally, my uh, page and stuff was a blog at first, and I had covered uh, a local case around here that happened back in 2002, and then I ended up turning into a blog and kind of just going with everything on it. Huh. So, so where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see yourself going with all of the true crime stuff, the writing and the podcast? Uh, and I'm hoping because I'm kind of in an area like – there, there's support here, but there's not, you know what I mean? There's not because I've, I've been called some bad names for doing, cause there was a, another local case that we had covered years ago and I was kind of going back into it and just trying to see if anything else, but like people got all jumped all over me for doing it. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to help because the murder happened in 2007, but a girl was found in her crawl space in the apartment she lived in, and nobody's ever been arrested for it. And it's an unsolved crime, and I'm trying to, you know, get people talking again, get out there in the public because, like, everybody's been quiet about it. And then, like I said, end up getting – I think I end up getting kicked out of the group and everything, too, for trying to talk to people and see what, what they knew. Wow. Why do you think that is? Like, what, what's, what, what was the purpose of kicking you out? Do, do you think they're scared or what's, what's the deal? I don't want to talk bad about the state no. I live in, but right. some of the people, I think their elevator don't go very high. And then they just, it's more like some of them's in that mindset. And then some of them, I think, are more or less. Cause I've done some things like locally in my town too at research and it was like talking about it and like, they want to push it underneath the rug and like, you know, that happened, but we're not going to talk about it. So we'll just keep it unsolved and you don't need to care. Nobody needs to care about it, which I find that weird. Like I know it kind of brings up memories and stuff and traumatic stuff for the families. But like if, if I was, Personally, for me, if somebody done that, like trying to research things and trying to 
find justice for, you know, a loved one that was murdered. You know, I try to give them as much support as I can. I know some families, you know, don't do that in a sense or like it. Some of them just kind of stay out of the limelight. Some of them, you know, try to, you know, get out there and get justice for, you know, whoever they lost. Yeah, it's a tough one, but I I think personally you have to stay focused on what you want to do and try to ignore that noise um, from the yeah. naysayers. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, both Michael and I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that is going to happen no matter what, and you're oh, going to get you, know, you could you, everything perfect and somehow complain about it and say you weren't perfect enough. Yeah, yeah, you can't please them all, but I, I think you got to shut that out and focus on what you think is right and what you need to do and, and just not let the noise get to you because it'll affect the way you're doing it. So ignore mm-hmm. that, you know, unless someone's physically threatening you or something. Um, um, I've never had that really so far, luckily, like most of it's just verbal, verbal things. That's about it, which I did have a weird experience. Um, in one of the towns I live about an hour from, but I was checking out and this young couple that was probably around my age, they like the woman just stared me down. Like she was, I don't know what was going on. Then her boyfriend looked at her or well, the guy she was with. And like, he started giving me a hateful looks. So I don't know if they recognized me or what, but it was a very uneasy feeling. Yeah, that was it, right around the time because uh, the local case I covered from 2002, it was uh, Samantha Burns. She had got killed in Huntington, and this is where this all where I was at when that incident happened. But uh, I started writing one of the guys that is involved in her murder because the weird thing is they what they done they had killed her, well they broke out of jail in Kentucky. Well, Chad was from here, and he was with uh, Brandon Brasham. Well, they killed her. Then they went to South Carolina, killed another lady, came back. Uh, then they split from here. Uh, Brandon got caught in Kentucky in the well in the Ohio River, and then Chad got caught in Indiana, uh, where his brother lived. And well, Chad's told them where Samantha's body's at, but they've never found her. Well. He let, finally led uh, a group to the other lady they killed in South Carolina uh, seven years later. And they found her right where he said she was at. So I started writing to him in 2014. I'm like, oh, you know, people's trying to, you know, get information out of him. He's trying to tell them. But I've, which I've talked to her family and everything too. So try to like you know shoot some thoughts off them but basically that case i've i've cried on that case i've i've put a lot of work in that and you know i do it all on my own time but it's weird because he, he gave me he actually i printed out a map and he showed me where she was at i've went out there and other people like law enforcement went out there. They they can't find nothing. So they don't know if he's lying. The other guy said they dumped her in the river, yada, yada, yada. And well, in 2017, there was a guy that came out and on Facebook live said that his wife had Samantha Burns and another person buried on the property in Ohio. 
So my blog, because I was actually doing a blog at that time, you know, with my research and sharing things that he had told me. And well, my blog blew up then locally. And so I don't know if those people recognize me from that. Like, so just the looks they gave me that was really, really out there. Like they were mad at me or something. I've never met the people in my life. So I don't know if it was, you know, them seeing me off that when all that blew up. Cause I had people from California contact me, people from Canada, just everywhere, you know, trying to find out more information. And sad thing is that, uh, that guy like went crazy posting videos all the time. And at all points, like most of it looks like he lied about all of it, sadly. And they yeah. didn't find nothing on the property and it was just really heartbreaking or well, heartbreaking over it. Yeah. That happens quite often. There's, there's quite often they have a, an agenda behind what they're doing. And, uh, they yeah, people trying to send him money and everything. Like, yeah. yeah, he said he didn't want money, but I think somebody said they sent him like $2,000, but he was, some of the videos he posted, he was, in a car, stuff like that. So I don't know if he was just on the run, living out of his car or what. He said he was staying with his buddies. Like, he seemed like a genuine guy in the video. But, I don't know, just heartfelt on things. And then I've heard some other rumors and stuff and talked to the guy, the detective that's on the case and told him what I heard. So nothing's really came out of it. And this has been a couple years ago, too. So... It's one of those things I don't, I kind of put in the back of my mind at times, but it's always there. I always think about it. You know what, you know what, have, I've had dreams about it. Like that one's really, really affected me. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's quite the, uh, you know, true crime. This whole thing is, uh, uh, so do you have like a, a website in a place that you want people to come find you at or uh, for your um, podcast or even for your writing and blogs and stuff? Um, I don't really have a personal website, but, uh, my Facebook page is killers crawl space. And that's what the podcast is called killers crawl space. And if you go to that, the Facebook page, you can find everything on there. And I have a group as well, or, you know, you could message me personally and I can get you what you need. Um, like I share, don't share as much, but usually we try to have a podcast episode out every, every Friday. Uh, just kind of depends on what we got going on, on our personal life. And, uh, yeah, people can check us out there. Like I said, I, I enjoy talking to anybody about true crime. That's like, the, that's my passion. So I, it's kind of weird. Like I know a lot of people say it. it's like, you know, I have to, cause I've taken time away from it a little bit or try to, but I have to stay focused on it. Like if I do go a day with not reading something true crime, it's weird. So I have to keep sane by reading and researching you know, about murder and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there seems to be a lot of people that way nowadays. So has, has, uh, has this last year affected um, the way you do your true crime search, like with the COVID and all the issues going on in the country, did it sort of uh, take away from that? Uh, not, as, not as much. Like, luckily I, you know, it hasn't affected me in the sense of like losing my job or anything. So I've been fortunate that. So I've been able to still do things I need to do or try to, because there was um, another local case that I talked to a lady about and covered. 
like me and my fiance went out and actually tried to do a paranormal investigation where he was murdered at, you know, so some of the things I do, I don't have to be out in the public where people's around. So I'm able to not be affected by anything. Huh. So when you do these investigations with paranormal, do you like bring a, a medium or a psychic in any of that? Or how, how are you conducting them? Uh, it's just basically with the equipment that I've had over the years, because I've been doing that for uh, this year, be 13 years. So I kind of go in like, which my fiance, she is into the Wiccan stuff. So uh, we'll set up like a little thing and she'll do like the pendulum readings and stuff like that. And kind of just do like a base feel of the energy at the place. Cause you can use like your sixth sense is your best thing you can ever have on anything like that. So uh, we'll set up things like that and just kind of, get a feel because we actually went to a cemetery it was just just to go and we had actually got a reading with the pendulum and stuff and this went on for like 30 minutes or so and it's never happened anywhere else we've tried it at but it gave us the same answer to everything because we have like a little mat that has like yes and no and like maybe and stuff but it was an individual they said they can't they weren't buried at the cemetery but they went there uh, to visit someone that was buried there. They wouldn't tell us if it was a female or male, which I end up getting because when I do audio, I do, uh, I put headphones in. So I hear it back while it's happening. And we actually caught a male, a male voice. That wasn't me. It was just me and her there. So it was like right around that time. But the hmm. site where the guy, yeah, the site where the guy was murdered at, we done the same thing, didn't get nothing, but it did have a weird vibe, which he got murdered at a rest area. So there was some traffic coming in. But it was kind of weird because we were there, you know, towards towards the evening and part of night. And we were literally like 10 yards from right where his body was found. And they don't know who killed him or nothing. Just he stopped there in between where he was from to where he lived. And next thing you know, he was shot execution style and left. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, so, did you get? Have you ever got any sort of hits from paranormal side? Uh, yeah, I've um, let's see. Well, some of the well-known places everybody knows about. Like, I'll get things from there, like you know, West Virginia Penitentiary. Uh, I've got EVPs there, which that's actually uh, that popped up. Somebody, one of the paranormal groups, popped up about the. Western Penitentiary, and I had went there three times over the years. Well, um, the first time I went, we were kind of provoking. This was 12 years ago. Well, I had got caught a whore on uh, EVP. And because when we came home that morning, me and my buddy both had recorders running. And like, I don't think I woke up to like five o'clock that evening because it's about a three, three and a half hour drive from me. So by the time we got home, so I passed out. I passed out. Well, he woke me up that evening. He's like, dude, dude, you got to listen to this. And then I had caught it too. Well, we were sitting one of the guys that got killed in the prison during uh, the riot. Well, I ended up talking to uh, an inmate there because when they closed down, they shipped inmates different areas. Well, I ended up finding one. Well, he broke out. How many times did he? I'm trying to think. He broke out of that place three times, I think but he had killed an off-duty cop. I think the one time they broke out, but I was telling him where I was going and I had, I had went there and stuff. And he gave me some information. Well, he said that guy actually called people whore all the time. 
and he was able to like tell me some other places to go so when i went back years later i was able to use some of the knowledge he gave me to try to get some other things and um i end up i had it up as a blog for a long time but i had some random person call me uh maybe a year and a half two years ago because i hadn't talked to the guy in forever and he i guess was trying to do an appeal i guess and i had to take him down because like some of the things he said could get him in trouble oh wow um so but the question is are you a whore (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like it was just funny because how it came over and i'm because it was me uh, my buddy and his girlfriend in the cell and I was sitting on the, on the bed and it was just funny when it came over. Cause he, he actually started feeling sick at the time too. So I don't know if that, you know, had something to do with it. Cause we were in the maximum security part of the prison, but the way I understood the guy had got killed outside a cell, like during, they had shoved a uh, uh, shank or something in his eye or something like that. But one of the interesting things I actually with, with the penitentiary, there was a local thing that happened in my hometown and I'd done some research. This guy tried to kill, um, see, one boy, I think he raped one, tried to kill another one, and two of them got out. Well, he's from, he lived in this area. Well, he was actually in the penitentiary. He died during the riot. He was one of them that got jumped because what, what he'd done, because he had killed a boy in Dunbar, too. So, you know, child molester, child killer, you don't last very long. So he ended up getting he's the one I think they pulled through the prison and they said he stabbed him, kicked him, spit on him. And I just thought that was interesting because I like like doing true crime and paranormal research and stuff like that. Like I'm more into the research the older I get. And when things connect, I always find that fascinating. So, you know, find something that happened in my hometown that connected with the place I investigated was always, I just found that interesting. Huh. Yeah, the whole the whole area is is fascinating, you know. Wow. Uh, it, w- one thing did did you ever um, was there anything that really surprised you about Philip when you had letters from him? Something you didn't expect? Uh, not really. Like I said, I kind of like I said was reading a little bit on him and knew how he was writing to people. Like I didn't really get surprised on anything he wrote about. He was pretty but, much as you would expect then. Yeah, like I said, most people, when they think you're writing a serial killer, that all the killers are telling you what they've done and everything. Like I said, that's what he done, if not more. So he's your typical, like I said, he just don't care what anybody, you know, thinks about him, and he didn't care what he said. It seemed like he, the more gruesome he got, the better he, he felt about it, I think. So I'm kind of kind of keep an open mind on things like that because a lot of them you talk to, like, a few of them I talked to, we just talk about like basic, you know, normal things in life. Cause I wrote uh, Dennis Rader and stuff for a little bit. And like he was interested in like the paranormal stuff I'd done. So we talked a little bit about that. And actually, the funny thing is, I'm left handed. Like I think I have sloppy handwriting, but I, I think I write the same. But some reason he thought two people were writing him when I wrote them. Because he had asked me at one point, he's like, is somebody else writing your letters too? Because I guess I would change my handwriting throughout the letter and I guess confused him. Yeah, it was kind of, I didn't hear back from him from like a while. Then somebody, I guess, that he talked to on the outside sent me stuff that 
said that he was going to write. Then I ended up getting a letter shortly thereafter. But because he like that, he I've heard other people talk to him and he like hints towards things. And then like with Bobby Joe Long, when I talked to him, we'd done basically normal stuff. But he kind of, because he raped his victims, kind of like more or less what Ted Bunny does, but he would leave women in like weird positions when they were found. And he kind of mentioned that, like he was a pervert basically. So Philip, like I said, was your your serial killer that everybody would want to talk to if you want to hear the gruesome aspects of what they've done. Yeah, but did, did you feel you could believe everything he said then? Um. I guess when I, at first, when I went into, like, I, I kind of expected that he might lie about it. And then the more, because more things he told me, like something, like I said, with the unsolved murder that he mentioned to other people, like he never told me about that, but he's told other people. I don't know when he started telling about it. So the older I get, the more I kind of look at that and like, well, I'll see what can I line up. So I try to compare, like, that's what I compared with that. I compared other letters that people had gotten about it. So at first I was kind of like, wow. And then the more I talked to him, the more, you know, I kind of done my own thing too and see where I could catch him in a lie or something at. Hmm. Quite a kind of thing. And now who do you, who are your influences? Do you have any influences in writing? Um, or in the true crime world? Do you have sort of anybody you look up to? See, probably like writing wise, because I used to never, well, I never really liked to read until an um, elementary school. When we finished our work early, we had to read. So I got into uh, Dean Koontz back then. Right. So I've read pretty much besides the books that are out of print. I have a few of them of his, but I see read pretty much almost all of his books though. Like Dean Koontz has always been one of my favorite writers. Um, so he's kind of an inspiration, which I actually wrote him when I was in high school. Cause they, wanted us to like do a thing of thank you to a teacher. And I was like, well, I didn't really have a teacher to thank. So I wrote him a letter. I didn't know my teacher had sent it out, but they, she did. So I got a letter back from him and he had signed it at the bottom and saying that he thanked me for my kind words and everything and stuff. So that kind of, if I ever get down about myself, I'll look at that. I have it framed and everything just to kind of give me inspiration. But with true crime field wise, uh, well, you guys have talked to him, you know, John Borowski. I love his work. Um, about anybody really that, you know, that's in the field for a good reason. And I try to try to be supportive of everything that I can see out there in the future. Like I said, John's one of my biggest inspirations and stuff, especially getting to, you get to know him better here recently and talking with him and stuff. Yeah, he hasn't killed anybody this year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, John. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, wow, fascinating conversation. Um, well, we will have your book and I'll have your Facebook linked up to the uh, website so people listening can find you easy. Okay. Um, it's really been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Our guest right, thank has you been for having me. Bruce Lamaster. Are you prepared? 
legacy food storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.